We're Red Squad, and we can do anything. Welcome to The Rules of Acquisition, a podcast where we are going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the greatest play that Max Fisher ever put on. Sorry, I'm tipping my hand a little bit. My name is Wade Bowen, and with me, as always, is James Nolan. Hey, I'm just, I'm just taking some corticostims. Or whatever. <laughs> oh man, Just, James, you might have a problem. I mean, fuck you, fuck you. We're doing it live, man. Come on. <laughs> oh, it's all right. Sorry. <laughs> and Hugh Crawford. Oh, hey. I'm sorry. I was thinking about seeing the face of God when the sun rose. So. <laughs> Got distracted. Just that once a month, though. All right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's. That's what she said. Uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we're talking about an episode called Valiant. Yes, this is episode 22 of season 6. It originally aired May 6, 1998. Here's the description on from IMDb. Jake and Nog, Nog's runabout come under attack from the Jim'Hadar and are rescued by the Valiant, a ship manned by Red Squad, an elite group of young Starfleet <laughs> cadets. <laughs> This this is a dog shit episode as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. I, I this is nobody this <sighs> I don't like this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I had fun with this episode. No, it is not a good episode. I I will say for all the flack I may have given some people, I will say that you know what? Jake is the best actor in this whole episode. <laughs> yes, I think I think Jake, I think Sirak is doing some good work here. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Nog is fine. It turns out that when you give him back-to-back episodes, he gets better. <laughs> I actually think he's, I think he's good for what he does. Like, yeah, for what he's needed. Yeah. I, oh, in this episode, I, I think he's just. I, yeah, I'm not trying to shit him on him this episode. Let Let me say one weird thing about Jake. Just and and the Ciroc as an actor in this overall this whole episode, it's a little bit weird because he physically looks like he could beat the shit out of anybody he's in a scene with, mm-hmm. and they're all supposed to like lean in on him and sort of intimidate him. And <laughs> but physically, he's two feet taller than everybody else, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. just like in general, like thicker. Like he looks it, like he could do more push-ups than the captain of the ship. Yes. And here's Bobo Ben Affleck trying to like scare him and it's just like who fucking like Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, there was such a weird it almost had this uh like was he the hero? Not, I mean I know that he was right, but I mean it almost is like those old like movies in the 60s and 70s that are just like let's put Steve McQueen in a movie and, and you're just like people and you're like nobody there's no way that any of the villains have any Real leverage or chomp chomp over Steve McQueen or Jodon Breaker or yeah or whoever. This yeah. is a messed up episode for that exact reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. The biggest concern is like not will Jake and Nog survive. I was like, huh, how are they gonna get him out? And and then it's just like, oh, the one thing. It's just blind luck. That is like, all right. Yeah. It's like, all right. <laughs> that that's another that's another third act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Problem. This thing. And has. you're almost looking. You're looking for it because you're like. How does Jake get off this ship? Because I know he does. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. James, what episode? What are they doing here that they would rather be doing? What are they honking on? They don't. They don't talk about this at all. They don't talk about this at all. <laughs> we don't talk about Valiant. There is. They talk. Uh, most of the stuff on Memory Alpha is about the new Jimadar ship design. Uh huh. You mean the Star Destroyer <laughs> and how that came about? My God. Yeah. Um. Aaron Eisenberg's a big fan of this episode. As he would be. He believes it's key to the Nog arc. Um, it's good for Nog, I think. Yeah. Nog's fine in this episode. Jake's fine in this episode. Really? Are we really that sure that Nog learned a lesson in this episode? Um, I think so. I mean, he came out more jaded about military service, I guess. Right. And that's sort of... 
you know. He he realized what a bad captain was. and Yeah, <laughs> I don't, this episode, I don't know, man. It's like. This is a misfire. They didn't have like a strong thesis that they were trying to execute. That's the biggest issue is that I feel like that they're actually like, like this isn't the worst concept of an episode. Yes. This is what I, like when writers don't, they're not trying to hit a clear defined mark. I think they're trying to ape certain Vietnam era sort of the way that movies dealt with Vietnam in the 80s and 90s. I'll tell you what, it's a callback episode. It's like, hey, remember Red Squad? And it's, you know, like I've brought up... What's the thesis of this episode? The the thesis of this episode is like, how? hey, let's do Rascals, the TNG with kids on the starship. (laughs) I don't know. Because I feel like... At least that had literal kids. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> like at least if they were going to do a Muppet Baby episode, they had literal babies on. Yeah, little children. I mean, I mean, that's an episode I like to bring up as a bad idea, but like I haven't watched it in a long time. To what is the theme? It. But what is the central theme that they're trying to convey of this episode? Is it that you can't put your faith in leaders blindly, or just like following like following order? Like, yeah, I don't they, understand what they're what their thesis is for this episode. It's a little bit muddled. They wanted to do an episode. They wanted to give a Jake and Nog episode where, right, but you understand what oh, I'm I saying. Totally when understand. I totally like, understand. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Like, I don't know, man. I don't have an answer. This episode is not good. Okay, this so you... This written you, by Ronald D. Moore. So, I mean, I feel like, you know, so... Yeah, the script wasn't the biggest problem for me. It was these kids all suck. I don't know. I think that... Like, I don't know. Okay, so I keep thinking back on the, like... Three weeks ago when we were talking about the let her die, Worf needs to let his wife die for the register episode. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I was thinking, like, doesn't this ar- episode make the exact same argument but reverse? Like, but the hero is on the opposite side? <sighs> like, yeah, I don't want to die from some dumb fucking mission that's probably not going to succeed anyway. But, the well, the, the difference is that these are all dumb kids in over their heads. Yeah. They're, they're, they're fucking Wolverines from Red Dawn, basically. Wolverines! But I still think that it was like this... The thesis is supposed... I mean, but they're saying everything that uh, Bobo Ben Affleck says... I, I, I wrote them down as Captain Max Fisher. Max <laughs> Fisher. <laughs> uh, but, like, everything that he, that he says is something that a captain would say. To rally troops, like his mission, like everything. Oh, we don't get just one rousing yeah, speech we get multiple, in this yeah. bullshit episode. We get two rousing mm-hmm. speeches. And all of his justifications to Nog and to Jake and to everything are things that, I mean, I guess that it's a commentary on what? Like, is it that, That's a, that this kid is this? Don't take trucker speed while you're a, ca- I, I, a captain I of a ship. I think it was like that or these kids were playing at adults, but I mean... I don't know. They're saying the same shit that any other Starfleet captain would be shown in this kind of situation. So I don't. Right. Well, they didn't start with themes that they wanted to explore with this episode. Maybe that's their, the problem. They they started with like, oh, what's a story we can tell? Oh, remember Red Squad? How would we bring in Red Squad? Oh, what if they're behind? In, and oh, we got a Defiant class ship. Maybe they felt like they needed to tell a story with a Defiant class ship. So you think that they had like a list, like a checklist of things that they wanted to do? Yeah, they're just, they're just, this is definitely a pad filling out, padding out a season episode. A checklist and like give Colmini a day off. Sure, like, sure. Yeah, like how do we give all our main actors a second day off? The day off, <laughs> except for Jake and Nog, you know, Sirak and Aaron. Because there's like the one scene that, you think it's setting up a B plot, the cold open, which is just like Quirk is having a bad day because his replicator's down, and like, and then it's like, oh, is this gonna be a whole B plot interspersed with Quirk is in love with Dax, and and now we had we got to see that bad episode where Quirk was the only one that realized that Odo was in love with Kira and he was his confidant there, and then we get the mirror in the cold open where Odo comes in and Quirk's having a bad day and then Dax is like I'm here to fix the replicator and Quirk is like you can't do that you're a, you're a woman and I'm a sexist Ferengi but also like you shouldn't get your hands dirty because you're you're a woman and you're sexy and it, I don't like seeing well, you like the, that. It's that he's in love with her which is I know, like and then, again why are they going like why are they doing this? That's what I'm saying they're, they're mirroring that and then Quirk comes in because they're mirroring Odo's the only person that understands Odo is Quirk and the only one that understands Quirk is Odo Let's talk like, about this for a second. 
So they've now, in the last three episodes or four episodes, they've now kindled two, un I mean, not out of the blue, but since season two, high, hard crushes on Dax. Now, are they just, try is this like pressure to keep her on the show? Or like, is it setting the table to make her- The character motivations for later episodes is what you're saying? More intense? Yeah, they know, they know it's going to hurt more later on, and they know what's happening at the end of the it's, season already, right? It just seems like that they're, like, that was literally shoehorned into this episode. Oh, totally, totally. Because I was like, oh, is this a thing? Like, no, then we're doing Jake and Nog stuff for the whole time. So his love for, I mean, that was a scene that was just there to highlight his love for Dax, which has only been mentioned in one other episode, like three episodes ago. It's been hinted at a little bit that they've got to... Again, they're not building huge set pieces. They're just like, we have to shoehorn... But why are they shoehorning it in, is my point. Be we're is technically obligated to put Quark in this episode. How do we give them character stakes for these shit bullshit scenes are writing it for so but why are they building stakes on something that they probably know is gonna is a ship on fire you think it's to to, to add the drama to what's about to happen right because ha stakes are better than no stakes even if we don't think they're gonna end up going anywhere it's like oh it's it's it gives them this a scene to write around that's all i mean no, I agree i'm saying that, I, I mean i'm saying that like in two episodes something happens to kira or to dax god damn right, it right that's and are I, they trying to are they trying to that's a bigger thing if he's desperately in love with her or just a, that everybody everybody that's not currently in a relationship needs to be in love with dax perhaps yeah exactly and, yeah and so that's so what's a weird note but i guess it's happening <laughs> It's stakes, I guess. They're invested in that character. But, I, I mean, yeah, I'm not saying it works. And, you know, that like uh, this episode starts with that, and they're like, oh, forget about it, because they just, they're just obligated to write a scene with these people in it. You know, they like should have the shoehorned, they should have shoehorned uh, Bashir pining over her, too. Sure. To get them both in. Well, they, the line producer is like, well, we've got the end scene of this episode. We've got Cisco and Bashir in there. So we don't need them in the front scene. But that leaves Odo and Quark and Dax. How do we fit them into this episode? They're contractually obligated to be in. Okay, we'll write this scene, I guess. And Yeah, and then, then nothing else in the whole episode has anything to do with that. They go straight to Jake and Nog aren't on the station, and that's why she's fixing the stuff while he's gone. Jake and Nog in the runabout talking about an episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine I'd rather be watching. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not, yeah. And it's a, it's a Nagus episode. That's how much more you'd rather be watching. Yeah, that's how much or just like, a, it's a Nagus slash Jake has a journalist job <laughs> right. to do episode. Mm. Slash Ferenginar. Glennoning and stuff. I mean, the Federation sends the only Ferengi in Starfleet to personally deliver a diplomatic message to the Grand Nagus. Something big is up. You told me you were coming on this trip as a reporter. <laughs> Jake finds the Panama Papers for like the war. <laughs> like he uncovers like a he uncovers the uh, the Swiss banking uh, mm -hmm. the the Nazi gold shit. <laughs> right. And you think it's going to be a Ferenginar episode because they're leaving Starbase 257 to go to Ferenginar to talk to the Nagus or not talk to it because Jake made a promise that he wasn't going to be reporting, but he lied and he's got a job with the Federation News Service. But they're leaving and then all these Jim Hadar are going to destroy the Starbase, I guess, because that's the Starbase that we've known that's not Deep Space Nine. And then they're... Smart enough, like, we're on a runabout. We can't help. Let's get the fuck out of here. And then they get one Jim Hadar cuts off from the attack squad and chases them. And they get chased deep into Dominion space away from the Federation. So they're fucked. Then Nog gets to do a little bit of, like, I'm shooting and stuff. But then they're fucked. But then they get rescued by, is that the Defiant? No, it's a Defiant ship. It's got another code. It's the NCC-74... Point two one oh the Valiant. What is that? And we learn that it's Starfleet Academy ship that's been stuck behind enemy lines for eight months. And it's Red Squad and acting Chief Petty Officer Dorian Collins and Tim Waters, commanding officer, Captain Max Fisher. One of those assholes is actually the same actor that was in the uh the first Red Squad episode. Oh yeah. So it's the same character. <laughs> Yeah, I thought maybe one of them seemed familiar. Which is weird because Nog was like a freshman in that episode. And now he's like a ensign. So 
So right. Mm-hmm. I know that he's on in, been in here for six months, but it seems like Knox passed him by. Right. Yeah. Well, they've been in there, yeah, for eight months, and they've all got battlefield commissions because Captain Ramirez got killed and made the guy acting captain, and he's raised everybody else up by battlefield commissions. Mm-hmm. And they've been behind the enemy lines for eight months with a shitty uh, warp drive because they don't know how to use the Defiant class ship like Nog does. And yeah, it was a that was one of the things. Like at the end of the Civil War, there was these issues where, like, you can read at the end, it was like George Custer was a graduate from West Point in eight, 1864, and by 1865 he was like a brigadier general. Yeah. Oh yeah. I was like, what the fuck was going on there? It was just. It was just. That's what. War, 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 war clears a lot of decks. Like it clears yeah, a lot of. A lot of well, that and if you come from a like if your family like you get promoted because you come from like a good family yeah, or yeah, bullshit right, like right. that back yeah. then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a wealthy family or good family or. And he was a. I mean, yeah. I guess he was good. I mean, he was good and as a cavalry to, leader. But they're all good until they're until, not. Until they run into the Sitting Bull. And then, yes. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. That, that's definitely the case with Custer, <laughs> huh? Yes. And a bit of a bit with Captain Jesse Waters here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was like a... Uh, yeah, he's a shithead. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they've been... Is he? He really... Like, that's the thing, is that they don't go... That's the problem with this episode. He doesn't go the full shithead. Like James says, he says all the good things, and he believes them in, in earnest. He says everything that Captain Jellico says. Yes. Right, and he believes him in earnest, so he's not really a bad guy. He's not the worst up until the end he makes a bad call, I think. Like, but that's my problem. But, As a character, Like they don't go one way or the other. They, he, It's sort of a tepid isn't that characterization. What, it, I almost felt like if, isn't that what the episode is saying? Right is that these kinds of bromides and this kind of culture leads people to take these unnecessary risks because they have this good of the core and I mistake, you know, make no mistake, I intend on, like, all of this kind of stuff instead of, like, that it, I mean, I I felt like is it's trying to say that these guys are drunk off of the intoxication of military culture because at other times it seems like the show loves military culture. Right. Well, I think Jake is the counterpoint the example he gives the reasoning why where they step too far like they're behind enemy lines and then when the war starts the war happens and then captain ramirez dies but then they captain ramirez had these special orders after the war to figure out about this super destroyer starship or whatever that the dominion was building so he was commissioned to do it but he died so he the mission went on to the uh cadet commanding officer or whatever that became the captain uh, and then so he's he could have just gone back to the federation but he's like no we're here to do the mission the mission is to get the technical readouts of this starship and then we can leave and then they do that and then jake says even comes on and says my dad y'all know he comes out like do you know who my father is mm-hmm. and they're like yeah we do know but he's like look my dad y'all all recognize my dad's the best what one of the best captains out there you know my dad would say this is a dumb idea but then captain max fisher is like nope we can do it we're the best in the world it's like no you're not it's actually commendable that they completed the mission that they had but they completed the mission now they're free to go home they should have gone home then but their cockiness of youth is what drives them over the proverbial cliff that gets brought up at the end of the scene of the episode. And so he goes too far and then they all die or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Like it's, it's not a good episode. <laughs> you know what? I really didn't have a problem with the acting. Oh really? I think my problems were the, with the script. These kids are doing what they're, what's pretty much they're They're conveying, mm-hmm. They're conveying exactly what what they need to what's on the page. I had I had this argument I mean, with Joni like, when I was watching it when Dorian, I actually I like the world building when there she's talking about like oh are I'm you from- talking about Kelly Clarkson? Yes. <laughs> oh my god! I like I was like the whole time I was like, is this fucking Kelly Clarkson? What did she look like before? Uh, before- like, that is most definitely that is the most Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> I didn't even think she that. looked at yeah yes I, the whole time. But you're right. Yes, she's from Tycho City on the Moon, 
And I liked like, oh, she's from the moon. That's cool. That's some nice world building where Jake is like, tell me about the moon. And and then she gives that whole monologue about the moonrise and says, and you know what? I don't man, that script may have been bad, but that acting was worse. As far, but, really? Yeah. I thought it was serviceable. I th- that was the least, like, all these kids the only, were doing fine. The only kid that I thought was particularly bad was the first officer Karen lady. Ferris. Oh. What? Karen Ferris. That's the character's name. No, yeah. she was so I the I had more problems with her with her lines. Yeah. Not her line readings, but with the actual script. Like whenever the captain uh like jerks his head when to get Jake off the bridge and she says Instead of saying, uh, Jake, you're not you're not allowed on the bridge, she says, I don't remember anybody saying that you should be on the bridge, Jake. I don't remember anyone inviting you to the bridge. I'm like, well, yeah. that's not getting that's not getting him off the bridge in a you know, that's, that's just being snotty to him. That's mm-hmm. some saved by the bell acting. That's on that's a, that's on the page. But that's that's the the line. They were like, there was no way she was gonna win with such a shitty line. Yeah, maybe, but they, I, the, you, the actors weren't doing any favors. You, like I was saying, this episode, I was like, you know what, Jake is fucking looking. Meryl Streep wasn't gonna win me over saying that line. Like the whole moon, like when she's doing the whole. Uh, Dawn is so shocking on the moon. When she's talking about the moon, I was like, you know what, I feel like a cold meanie or. Uh, an older, you know, experienced actor. It's not the best lines. I'm not. I'm ready, ready to admit they're not the best lines. But an older, experienced actor would have been able to, to pull it off better. But we're also than getting the, the, Kelly Clarkson was the worst. I thought that was awful. Glorious, pure light just explodes across the surface. I really. But I mean, that's acting subjective. That's all a matter of taste. So if I, yeah, I'll disagree. That, I'm not going to argue over it, but I was, I'm just saying that I think that the, I didn't have a problem with the kids. Like they're young, they're young teenage actors. Like you kind of have to handicap it for that because you're not going to get. No, there's good teenage actors and then there's bad teenage actors. And in the nineties, most of them are bad. Maybe yeah, I but. thought, yeah, yeah, I didn't, I don't think this was, their acting was any worse than I would have seen on TGIF in the at same time. Like TGIF is fucking awful too, though. That's, I don't think it, <laughs> I don't think it was that level bad though. Now, come like, on, I thought, now, come I didn't on. Now, for that... its time, for its time. I mean, you gotta think about TGIF and the time it was made. Yeah, well, I'm I'm talking about I'm comparing kid actors to adult actors in the same time, and the kid actors are worse. <laughs> so I didn't think I didn't, really to... I, I didn't have a problem with with it as much as I had a problem with like the line, the script, I guess. Yeah, I mean, all the lines sound like badly written when they're delivered that way, though. Everything was. No, it was the, the there was no strong characterization. That's my problem. They give her some. Was, she's the, was, well, yeah, you're right. It's not strong character. She's the one that misses home and is crying about it. And then Captain sure. Jesse Waters is like that's an um, that's an emotion you know that's supposed to move the plot along, but it's not like strong characterization. You know, it's well, not. I mean, it's not weak either. It's what the character's going through. You know. But it doesn't inform her character is what I mean by strong characterization. Like, I don't know, other than her, a bit of backstory. I mean, I, know, think I, don't you're, know. I think you're, I mean, this is, I, I'm agreeing with you, but I think that you're supposed to think that her arc is that she's weak and that she's the most childlike, but because of the cult of, like, military culture that, that set in on that ship... You know, because the whole point is at the end, she refuses to believe that Boba Ben Affleck was bad, was a bad captain or made the wrong call. Right. And so there's something about like the brainwashing of a cult of personality or a cult of, you know, just I think it's supposed to be treating that these kids bought in. Right. I mean, I I seriously think that it's supposed to be a critique on military culture. I think think there's definitely a critique of the cult of personality. I think it seems to have like a haphazard critique is what I guess. I guess my critique of the acting goes back to when I call them they all felt like actors in a Max Fisher play. That's what every line reading by every one of these kids actors felt like. Which when in Rushmore feels fine because it's supposed to be kids performing in school. I mean, Serpico I'm pretty sure that none of these actors were kids, by the way. I'm just saying, neither was, you know... like Yeah, a- okay, so for instance, Waters. He, let's say this came out in 1998, and I was 19... I was 20 in 1998. He was born in 1973. So he would have been 27. 
Wow, a little Ralph Macchio, huh? So, <laughs> so he was 27. Ferris was born. Okay, so Ferris was legitimately young. She was born in 81. So they, they, yeah, they're just bad actors. I'm trying to then, look for. Huh? I'm trying to look for Kelly Clarkson here. Yeah, I really. It doesn't say. I really. Their acting wasn't wasn't the main problem for me in this. They felt like a Max Fisher play like Max Fisher Serpico. That's what, what the acting felt like to me. <laughs> there were they were no worse off than any like any bit player in a Star Trek Deep Smi- Deep Space Nine episode. We can just agree to disagree then. I don't know. This I was the last thing that like, Kelly I, any incidental any incidental character that I've ever seen. I don't know. I think they're pretty bad. I think they're worse. But again I'm sure we no... can find a lot of like fifty year old actors that were on the show that this is the last thing that they did too. We can find some. <laughs> I don't think that. Yeah. I just don't think that. I think there's a lot. We just have to agree to disagree because I thought they were fucking awful act performances. I don't think they're good performances. I don't think that that's what was the problem with the episode. I mean, it's hard to say. It was my biggest problem with the episode. But you know, they're written as kids in a situation. I don't know. Maybe that was. A, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm trying to look for any information about what happened to her after this episode, and she just kind of disappeared. I don't know if she's alive or dead. I don't know. Now I'm like... We're worried about her now. I'm like a little bit. Yeah, I kind of want to know where she is. I couldn't help but laughing at their cargo short pajamas the whole time. It's very 90s. Yeah, they were they were so ill-fitting, <laughs> yeah. too. They, were, they, they looked like they were... Right, because they had to know. update the uh, cadet uniforms since first contact. They're the new uniforms, except not gray shoulder pads are colored, right? Yeah. Yeah, and they all have this... I guess that the red, whatever they're called, red... Whatever. Red Squad pins. Yes, they all have those pins. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm worried about, I'm worried about my lady. (laughs) I hope she, she must have changed her name. Or maybe she actually is Kelly Clarkson and changed her name to Kelly Clarkson. (laughs) Lines up. Yeah. Yeah. 98, she disappears. 2002? Is that the first season of? (laughs) Sure. She goes through a transformation. Yeah. Yeah. She goes through a transformation. Mm. Nog gets made chief engineer and lieutenant commander. Does he get to keep that rank? I don't even know. I don't think so. <laughs> when everybody that gave you the rank got blowed up, I don't think you get to <laughs> yeah. necessarily keep it. That's probably probably true. They send a class three probe to find the. I'm all about him trying to tell Chief O'Brien to call him <laughs> You're right. lieutenant commander from now. Oh, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I'm really... You were superior. <laughs> All of a sudden, I don't see foresee that happening. We're going over well. Uh, yeah. Probably not. <laughs> now he's like, man, if it fucking Captain Waters didn't die and didn't f- foobar the mission, maybe I would have been able to yeah. get that rank. Technically, a flag officer can strip someone of a battlefield commission. This was on trivia, by the this was oh, on okay. this was where Memory Alpha was for this episode. <laughs> sure, sure. So, but it is not a practice of modern day naval practice. But Ronald D. Moore said he was using the nineteenth century naval practices or rules of conduct. So Oh yeah. my god. That 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 Horatio Hornblower shit, that's Star Trek, right? Mm-hmm. But you don't all, but if you're making this shit up as you go along, you don't have to use anything. Nineteen, you just make up the stuff to serve the story. That's probably why. It's, that's, that's why it's more fun to get battlefield commissions for everybody, right? Yeah, uh, I'm trying to figure out where I even saw that, but I don't. They also spend a lot of time talking about how how similar this episode is to the uh, Star Trek the movie, the motion picture. Oh, whether well, they still a bunch a of in well a bunch of un well they don't they. They oh, it is all it is all cadets and stuff, right? Yeah, cadets and shit, and yeah, and then they have this asshole leader, and then they get fucked up, and then they gotta, yeah. All right, he's taking meth the whole time to stay awake. Yeah, uh, he's, or he's, core stems <laughs> for two months and uh, doing improper things that led him into jail. Uh, oh, 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 we're t- oh I, I was talking about Captain Waters, but yeah, I was talking about his his. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Yes. Mr. Seventh Heaven. <laughs> uh, Boy. Yeah. yeah. We usually save that kind of talk for our book club. <laughs> yeah. We, we like to keep all our incest talk over it. <laughs> Was it incest too? Or child molestation. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I got uh, my horrible thing mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
it's all it's all awful. <laughs> I think uh, we'd readily agree. And then, you know, Jake is like, you joined up with these assholes? And Nog is like, yes, I'm part of something larger. You would never understand that. You only care about yourself. And Jake is like, yeah, that's right. I care about myself not dying like a punk. And I mean, this, this is why I think that this show is a critique on military culture. It's because they keep doing that. They keep saying, oh, I trust Nog. Nog wears a uniform. Right, right. Oh, it's, you know, you didn't follow in your father's footsteps. You know, it's all about this. It's all about military culture and like that they, it's all about the troops and the troops feeding into this sort of ideology. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and so I'm, I'm fine. This was like, I'm, I'm comfortable with this critique of, you know, troop worship and that kind of like military mindset. Mm-hmm. But then I felt like, I don't know. Yeah. It has like a fucking Rocky Four montage, basically, with the worst music where they're getting ready to because they have they have the big speech where we've gotten our mission from that class three probe, but now we're gonna take it one step further and, and try to destroy this ship and, and Jake is the whole like my, do you know who my father is speech and then they just start chanting Wolverines over, I mean Red Squad, Red Squad, Red Squad over again and they're gonna do it. Then they have like the Rocky Four training montage where everybody's getting their shit together, and then, and then they have the captain's monologue where he's like, "Take it in, we're, we're about squad. to be great, and we can do anything." Men. And then they show the ship, which is basically a or Dominion Star Destroyer, two times larger than a Galaxy Class starship, and three times as powerful. Then it goes uh, foobard pretty quickly, and everybody dies. Everybody gets uh, conveniently blown up by consoles, and everybody else on the ship dies except for Nog and Dorian and Jake. <laughs> Not because they do anything special, but a bunch of escape pods get out. They all get blowed up. But the one escape pod that makes it free is the one with all our heroes on it because they've got plenty of plot armor wrapped around themselves to keep them safe. Uh, if I was in the writer's room when they were open the script, I would ask this one. I mean, there was a lot of questions I'd ask, but, you know. Yeah. Um, but the main question I would ask is why do you kill off Bobo Ben Affleck early in the battle? Like, wouldn't if Kelly Clarkson died and Bobo lived, wouldn't that make for a more powerful wouldn't i don't know wouldn't that hit your message home harder right is because he would have to face knowing that he killed people innocently that probably people that weren't ready for that situation presumably kelly clarkson gets healed up and then goes back into the starfleet and then serves aboard and like follows somebody else blindly again <laughs> yeah right? like no lessons were actually yeah, learned like, for her and maybe that's the point maybe that's the point is this there's the the brainwashing that happens in these situations is irrevocable or is not you know you can't rationalize or reason a person out of a position that they didn't reason themselves into or something like that right some sort of ism truth truism like that but i it just seems to me that if he faced his consequences, that would be more powerful at the end. Right. I saw it as they just wrote. I was waiting for Nog to take Battlefield command of the ship. And now, now I'm the captain now. Did he do something wrong? Did, did he do something shady to get, did he actually get a commission or was it discovered? I can't remember. I watched this episode twice. Who, Nog? And no, I'm talking about Captain Waters, Bobo Ben Affleck. Oh yeah. He, well, and he that's was... what it made it seem, but it, it wasn't. I thought it was going there too, but it... I thought that's what it was going to. And so that's what I was looking for at the beginning. Uh, he didn't do anything untoward to get his commission, right? He was, he really, no. Mm-hmm. What I'm asking is, is Starfleet really didn't want a bunch of cadets out there doing this shit, right? Right. Well, he got the commission from Captain when Captain Ramirez died, and then Captain Ramirez had orders to stay in radio silence. When he died, they should have just uh, radioed back into Starfleet and gotten orders to go home. But because he got this commission from the captain and because he's red squad red squad's the best we're the best ones we can do every, anything that the big kids the grown-ups can do we're gonna do we're gonna complete the mission they didn't have to complete the mission they took that on themselves because they thought their red squad such high did sick. we ever find out what what starfleet thought of that no that that's a problem it is a problem i guess to to james's point that we don't get to find out any repercussions right because he's dead yeah of these actions because i don't i at this point in the oscillation between starfleet as an enlightened exploratory situation to a hardened like 
you know, like General Patton's army kind of shit. I don't know where Starfleet stands now because it seems to me that this guy did a bunch of shit they wanted him to. Why do you give a bunch of cadets a fucking Defiant-style battleship like that's only there for fighting? Why do you give it a secret mission to engage the Jemadars if it's full of cadets? Well, they did one. The war started when they were on their tour of the galaxy. They're doing a tour to go through the whole galaxy or whatever, or, or around all the Federation mm-hmm. before the war starts off. The war kicks off. They don't get a mission just to fuck up Jim Hadar. They get a mission to go just get uh, technical surveillance. Yes. So how sanctioned all this is is very much. Right, That's what yes. I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. But I think the episode portrays it like, and when Nog is like, "What you haven't taught the Starfleet." And it, maybe it is a critique of the you know military command because Nog is like, well, that's kind of fucked up that you didn't radio Starfleet, but you're the captain. Your rules go. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'm going to follow rank and do it, but I feel like if I were the captain, I would have radioed in, but you know, that's not my place. So, but then they complete the mission that they, that the, because it wasn't just Ramirez, there was other Starfleet officers that also died that le- left the kids in charge. Then they go full, it's not quite, uh, Lord of the Flies, but the kids are in charge when they don't need to be. But then they, they don't have any other mission from the adults that they were given. They just inherit the mission that they didn't have to inherit, but they complete it and get the technical details. Yeah. And then they don't have, then they, that's when they should have, but he's the captain and he. I guess my point, my point is, is that if you're going to have this be a commentary on, on what they're, on their actions, then we should know what the repercussions were, but we never learned the repercussions. Right, right. No, that's a fair. Other than that they died. Right. You know. What I would have, what would have been fun to watch is to watch a ton of crew members die. But they blow up that fucking battleship, right. and then to see how Starfleet treats him, yeah, for doing that because that would be fun to watch Jake see how right the military culture actually rewards this kind of bullshit. Oh, I know what to do. You do a Rashomon episode, and if you're gonna lean into your Star Trek lore, and you're gonna lean lean into like the lineage, mm-hmm. what you do is you. You have this kid on trial, be the sole survivor. Yeah, on trial, but he's all fucked up like Captain Pike. Oh yeah, he can only he's, beep. He's in a beep boop chair. He's all scarred up. Yeah, and he's getting. He's only got the wheelchair that can do the beeps. <laughs> That's what you do. And you think everybody's dead, and then because we have to keep them alive, like in the third act reveal, you learn that Jake and Nog actually survived because right. Yeah, yeah. That's I don't know. Something, yeah. I, I I don't know how Star Trek feels about the the actions. Right. I don't it's, either. I don't either. Yeah. Like in the third act, you could say that maybe they're making the comment about a military. But though in the third act, when they get out and they get rescued, they're the only ones. They're in sick bay. Bashir gets his requisite time in, and so does Cisco. Uh, I I didn't hate this last scene actually on the paper either. But if, if your big complaint is that you're unsure about the things everything you've said that still rise but i didn't because the main thing is it switches to be all about this uh hero worship and this kind of fascist kind of like no he was a great man he was a great man and it because then the cold open leads in with jake and nog talking about oh you said you wouldn't write about this and then at the ending it's bookended by nog asking jake are are you going to write about this and jake says well you know what i probably am and then what are you going to say? And he's like, well, You report and let the people decide. Here's what I want you to say say that it was a good ship and it was a good crew. And it was, but they made a big mistake, which they did. And they put their faith in this captain who led them over a cliff. And then Dorian is I like, I thought that was so, it is so dumb. I, I didn't hate that. But then, then Dorian speaking up. I think that you should present both sides. I think your story, Jake, needs a. Big dose of both sides-ism. <laughs> well, then that's what Dorian Collins is there for, because she's like, no, he was a great man. He was a hero. And he's like, well, maybe he was a great man, but he was, he was a shit captain. And I like that line, because he was a bad captain. And, yeah, and then and her whole, like, if he was a bad captain, it wasn't, it wasn't his fault. If we failed, it was because we failed him. And they're like, girl, you crazy. I, I agree he's a bad captain, but why is he a bad captain? Like what does the episode because he because he doesn't listen to Jake Cisco? It seems to be no, but because he lets his pride and his hub- hubris 
lead him as, above mission parameters and above making a, the right call. But I guess mission parameters were awfully foggy. Well, it, he made it because we got the mission parameters straight from him. But the ones he gave us, we got he gave us but, clear parameters which were just to get the technical readouts. And but, then, but Wade, he's the one telling us this. Well, is my I'm point. just saying is that we never hear from we never hear. From Starfleet that he oversteps That's his true. Bounds. He could have made that up. That's what I'm... But well, by his that... own admission, <laughs> that's what the parameters were. And then by his own rules, he went up above what the parameters were. So I, I can only assume that those were the legit mission parameters that Ramirez was given. Because he says, we we did it, but then we're going to do more because we're Red Squad. And Jake is like, you can't do that. That's a bad idea. And he's right. I think the episode sells it as like, that's something that Cisco wouldn't even do. And it's also bad because if they die, if nobody survives, then they can't take the intel back, which the whole point of the mission was to get the intel to go because your dick gets hard and you think you can do one better and and do what nobody else can do. You're going to go off mission and put the mission in jeopardy by not coming back at all. That's a bad choice as a captain, you know, and that's, kind of what I feel like Nog feels about it. So this is a bad egg situation. Yeah. Ben Affleck was a bad kid in this story. I mean, arguably, I mean, I I would like to read the critique of military structure thing that you're selling to. And it, it might be there, but it's but, not as... Yeah, but the military structure thing is negligible if he, if everybody lives. That's the thing. Is that like all that we, all the, the conversations about leaning on Jake, about how to present, like, don't be a part of the story and browbeating the people for having emotion. That mm-hmm. would have all been fine if they had just like successfully That's what I'm saying, successfully yeah. completed the mission. Like perhaps yeah. because people died, then he's a bag of egg. I guess how many th- times that's what... has, how many times has Kirk made the risky gambling? He's a gambler. Sure. I mean, people's lives are in order, and he could fucking lose a hand. Gamblers lose all the fucking time. Yeah. And everybody could die. Does that make him a bad captain? I don't like. That's the question. Yeah, but stories do different things all the time based on like. They sold. Kirk has always been the good guy. This guy was sold as a bad guy. Maybe Kirk would have made the, the same decisions. We know he's coded as a bad guy because he keeps on taking trucker speed. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. This was a muddled. This is a muddled episode with with little going for it. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I did not. Yeah. And again, and and you know what, guys? The next two episodes are just worse. <laughs> like this is my no, sixth season. No, they can't get worse than this. Profit and lace. Uh, Prophet and Lace is the one after this one. And the, the, there's another night. Oh, uh, Time's Orphan is after Prophet and Lace. <laughs> yeah. Sixth mm. season. What's going on? Yeah, I've tried to argue that some of these were better than, but this one was not good. But again, I mean, I did. I had a good time watching this one. I, uh, oh, man. Even though I realize it's not a good episode. I, I'm not... I'm not standing that this is a good episode by any means. Don't get me wrong. I had fun. You even hated the performances more than I did, and you had fun. Oh, they were awful. How is that possible? Oh, You're I'd... watching nothing but actors. None of them you have an affinity for. I can... And you still had a good time. That's sort of shocking to me. Look, we've watched enough Mystery Science Theater that we can watch bad performances and still get a kick out of it. Well, <laughs> like... are you saying that you liked it in, like, The Room? Like you liked it, like you liked the room. In a way, I was laughing when she was doing that Mars monologue. I was like, man, this is some bad acting. <laughs> like it wasn't the script that I was laughing at. Yeah, like in a way, I was laughing at it, but not because of the the room is bad in every way. You know, the, the, the room is. If the room is bad, then how come I could watch it every day? <laughs> that's what I always well, that's say. Same, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Exactly, but yeah, I, yeah, I mean, yeah. That's the I point, get what right? you're saying. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think, but yeah, yeah. Like as far as like bad teen TV, or you know, I can watch. I watched a lot of Saved by the Bell, and that shit's awful too. But I didn't it sounds like pay. you you wouldn't like this episode because it had a bunch of teens in it. Is that your? Um, no, like it had a bunch of bad teen acting in it. Because and... I think that I think this episode could be amazing from its pitch. It's just that. Like it's just the most unfocused thing I've ever seen. I do think it could have been a lot better if it, yeah, with it could have been written tighter and it could have had a better performances. You're right. I guess I think that one of the things that I think that I've noted that's going on is that I think it's pretty clear Ronald D. Moore wants to write for an, another kind of show, mm. and he's not there yet. And I don't think he has a clear. That I, might be my, my main beef 
with a lot of what we see this season, a lot of these episodes want to be something else other than Star Trek. Yeah. Like, my favorite my favorite episode this season might be the Little Ship episode. Oh, wait, wait. <laughs> Come it, on. You, you, there's two different episodes that you've got the best Star Trek episode ever. <laughs> well, I'm talking about from a Star Trek perspective, not yeah. from, like, a storytelling yeah. perspective. Because it is the most Star Trek, little the Little Ship mm-hmm. episode is the most Star Trek episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Where people have... They're good at their day jobs and they work as a team and it's fun. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a pretty, it's not an incredibly high bar to set, but these episodes are not doing that at all. To work this into the theme of our original theme of our podcast, maybe this is the, now you're seeing the downside of a transitional period. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah. the, like this is a transitional relic and then this is what you get when you have the superstructure of, uh, you know, a hokey churn them out production mm-hmm. but you're starting to have the writer sensibilities of more complicated things and so it leads you to this kind of like muddled mess where you don't have you have the wrong crew for the wrong type of ship to use an analogy everybody's kind of working against each other yeah and they're ever everybody i don't know everybody but it's still yeah i i agree i think you're a little quicker to say it's this it's a failure this writers room is incapable of doing what it wants to be doing. I think it's just it's struggling. I'm not saying they're incapable. They wrote two great episodes this season. I'm just saying that like compared to last season or the last 3 seasons. This is Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you if you drop those two high grades, this is as bad as season 2. Uh, and I, yeah, I don't know. And, and, and so I, I mean, it's, it's a massive regression I feel, and I'm trying to figure out why. And it's not because they're not doing like, they're not going back to doing like the, we we're joking. Cause the, the little ship episode is the best thing, but it's the most innocent and old, you know, sort of quaint thing to, for them to do. But these episodes about like these critiques of military culture, or critiques of religion and like faith and all these sorts of things, I just feel like they're. I think you calling them critiques are being generous. I think it's just because you... I think you can see that stuff in there. <laughs> I, mean, I think that they're trying to honk on, but I think that that's what this episode is about. I, I mean, I think that's you could see it in there. I don't know if that's what it's. I don't know if it's that clear that that's what this episode is about. I think I'm with you on that. But I'm not disagreeing that it's not that, too. I just think it's... How does a that, writer write it something without a theme? They're just writing They're writing around plot. They're, they're pitching... Now who does that? Fucking people in 1997. Star Trek does it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I guess who does that is a good point. I think that's, like, at this point in that... Why did they write, you know, Beverly Fucks a Ghost? Who was the? What were the themes they were trying to? I think that like? episode had a theme. I don't know, but I could probably pick out a theme. Yeah, and, and you picked out a theme in this that is probably as strong as Beverly fucks a ghost. But no, I think it's in Congress. I think they're trying to write at it, but it's nebulous and a Ford, and I don't think that any one of them knew how to make the decisions to do that. How to attack it? Yeah. Like, I think they want to do that. I'm not, that's what I'm saying is that you were saying that I don't think they're writing with themes. So I was like, who does that? I think I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt that they're trying to. Right. I just think that they're not writing as focused around theme as you want them to. Then what is this episode about? I think it's there. I'm then not, why I'm, do you watch Star Trek at all? I'm agreeing with you that the themes are there, uh-huh. but I just don't think that they're, maybe because they've, they're doing these in two weeks, they haven't been able to massage the themes into them as strongly as and enough as they do with, like, say, in the Pale Moonlight or something. You know, it's... But maybe, this seems like an episode that you compose around a theme. I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, and they kind of get to an extra theme of, like I was saying, like at the end, like, oh, it's this cult of personality around the one, the hero, that or the demigod captain that takes it on itself, and then they all kind of worship, you know. So it's it's the military stuff, but then it gets caught up in it's the It's another stuff. kind of Monster of the Week episode. Bobo Ben Affleck is the Monster of the Week. To an extent, yeah, yeah. Season two. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that if they were trying to say that you shouldn't follow bad leaders and what makes them bad is they're they're too young yeah <laughs> like i don't know if they if that's what they well, were trying to say it's, it's his pride it's his pride and his arrogance that that gets the best of him uh, he, pride and arrogance gets many a starfleet captain yeah. who also ride on the cult of personality but it's uh, through the day many times i think that's what what separates bobo ben affleck 
from any other Starfleet captain is his age and inexperience. Yeah, it's faults and his age and inexperience is how his pride and hubris get the best of him. Here's I here's mean, how here's how you fix this episode. At the end, she goes, "That wasn't like that, Captain Waters." And Nog goes, "He was a bad captain." And Kelly Clarkson looks at him and goes, "Fuck you." He was 19 and he was trained to be this way by Starfleet. Yeah, I mean that's one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that that would have at least give me a point of view yes. that the show had. <laughs> Right? The show both sides it. It literally, because then Nog says, write that in there and there too, and let them let the reader. It shouldn't decide. have. It should have said, fuck you, he's 19, and he was trained to be that's this what I, That's what I hate about it, I guess, is that it. it I like it, that about it, but. That you like the both sidesism of it, I guess? I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a little bit more. Um, y'all are both more to react strongly to anything that reeks more both sidesism than me. That's probably just, just a, a fact. I don't know why you write without. Well, and, and the difference between this and in season two, he's the monster of the week, but there's also coded into it, and it's not as overt or as clear as it could be, but are also the the critiques of military structure and stuff, which you don't get in season two of Deep Space Nine. So I mean, I don't know. I don't know if there are really that many that critiques of military structure. Uh, yeah, I, I don't. I mean, maybe they don't because don't the know. whole series rides on military structure as like to function and work. That's my point. Right. Is that I feel like that this you're right because you're making a bigger picture thing. My point that was the thing is it seemed like this episode was saying that all the Jake stuff he doesn't wear a uniform. You can't trust Jake because he's like a jerk. Right. Or whatever. And it was, it had that feeling, but then I was like, but isn't everything he's saying and doing everything that Riker or whoever would be commended for? Right. Which is why I was saying that if he had succeeded, they would have sucked his dick and built a medal for I, him. I, I uh, agree with you. Like No one's coming. I'm not arguing with you. I'm arguing with the show. I'm not attacking you either, James. I'm saying that the show, because I, when I say it's doing military industrial stuff, and then you're saying, well, I, maybe it's not in there. And I'm just saying, I agree with you that it's in there, but also that it's not doing it well, that it's like doing that and then it goes off and it misses the mark and then it gets to these other themes and that they're not riding towards theme is what I say is that they're riding around plot and if they massaged it more they might get to the themes better but now it's kind of a mess and when I say I agree with you I'm just saying that those themes that you say or that you saw in there were in there okay and then they fucked it up they got a C minus like <laughs> you got this paper returned to you you'd say oh well you're not clear enough on your theme, but go back for extra revisions. So it's in there, but it's just done badly. And we agree that this episode is not great. That's all. <laughs> like, I guess if you're if your point is that it's doing if you're when you're doing both, then you're not doing something well. Yeah, I guess. Right. And my point was that it could do it better. And when I when I say I'm trying to agree with you, you're saying it can only do one or the other. I'm saying it's doing both, maybe not the best way. But well, before we get on to the rewatch meter, do you guys have any any other closing thoughts about it? It was, it was not a good episode. I'm like, I, I agree. And it was a, it was, yeah. I, I agree with you, but <laughs> that's fine. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, where do you guys put it on your rewatch meter? Oh, I'm a, like, if I want to have a laugh and watch this one. If, if I want to watch a bad episode that I can enjoy, I'll watch this one maybe. It's probably a four. So you'll like it at a four. I'm going to put a zero. If I ever watch this thing again, it's because I'm dead and I'm in hell. Yeah, You really can't make a reference to like, well, if I was watching episodes that I don't know if you well, were going to do it. It's a personal, it's a personal metric. That's what I'm saying. I mean, but I'm can't... saying that we always try to like hook up, thing around it that like there are significances to the plot even if the episode's dog shit there could be significances to something i mean unless you're doing a red no i mean if if i'm waiting for my oil to get changed and it's on i'll you know there's some episodes that i'll probably like my head will move toward the tv and i'll listen but Mm -hmm. this is not i'll probably stare at the corner yeah i'm saying that like that's what i'm saying unless you're doing like a red squad rewatch or something (laughs) right so yeah there's not even that i can give it like points for i'm gonna put you at a zero yeah no dead there's no deadwood actors there's no wire actors i mean kelly yeah. clarkson is i like kelly clarkson <laughs> sure. but it's pretty cool to see kelly clarkson before she was famous yeah it was it was great yeah yeah uh. <laughs> all right well what do you guys think the good people of imdb think of this episode Oof, that's a tough one 6.5 7.2 oh. wow Ooh. you guys gotta split the difference this is 7.0 look at that 
All right. I figured that. I, I mean, I figured that, that it wouldn't be high because it's not good. <laughs> right. But that I don't think that. I think that people like the intrigue element of. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of like sort of traditional TV. They like seeing another defiant ship. You know, there's lots of high conflict immediately. Right. Right. So. Yeah. I don't know, man. This this season. I I think they get it back in season seven, don't they? I don't know. Like I remember. <sighs> I think they do. I think they they recover. I think I think the uh, there's a new character that's introduced. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to blow it. I almost did for you new new listeners. But I think it breathes a little bit of fresh air into the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Like I mean, I agree that some of these recent ones have not been the best. And next week, who boy? I, that's that's a bad one we've been talking about as a bad one since the beginning. Mm-hmm. I think for me, the lows up until like maybe haven't been quite as low as they are, but people agree that these lows are pretty low. So I'm not going to fight too hard. But. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the ratings are just from the IMDb scores. The, I, the IMDb scores have been pretty putrid. Have, I, what is a good score in for those anymore? I can't even like, what were season two scores that, I remember they were being in sixes and stuff, right? Yeah, but that's where we are here. We're a lot of these. The 7.0. We've been writing less than... There's been less sixes than I thought there would be. They're usually around seven, even when I think they're bad. Well, and keep in mind that these these fluctuate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so see, season two, 7.7, 7. 7.7, 7.9, 6.9, 7.5, 6.4, 7.4, 8.2, 6.1, 6.5. So it does sound like it's pretty similar to 6.6, 6.8, 7.4, 8.2. I'm almost done. <laughs> okay. 7.2, oh, 7.2, 8.0, 7.9, 7.9, 8.3, 8.0, 7.1, 7.6, and 8.5. So, yeah. As far as IMDb is concerned, it's shit. I mean, season two, season two had Frank Langella in it for. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that's... Oh, right, right. And and uh, one of the cast members of Wings for an extended role, Stephen Weber. Yeah, huh. yeah, because it started off with a big multi-part epic, right? Oh shit! It has Blood Oath is in season two. Blood Oath is in it. Um, the Wire is in it. Yeah. Yeah, none of those. Oh my God. Well, y'all didn't like The Wire as much as people do. Okay. Blood Oath we liked, but it, that was like the canon film. <laughs> I would like a can. I would like one of these to turn into a canon. Yeah, film. right. <laughs> yeah, people love The Wire. Yeah, yeah, people do. It's a Garrick episode. There's not a lot of Garrick episodes that don't get a high rating. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I mean, that's it's. Uh, I don't know. I feel like it puts a uh, it puts a narrative structure on our podcast. I feel like. We're we're down and and it's like this. Do they pull it out? Does the cast love? You know, do our do the hosts end up loving the show? Or you know what I'm saying? It's like are we right, at our right. are we at our uh, Empire Strikes Back moment <laughs> in our podcast right now? So yeah, I don't know if it gets much better, but maybe it'll be steadier. It's been bump. It's been a bumpy ride. Maybe if we just can get you know, the next. I mean, bit. people like Ezri, don't they? I mean, they made her captain in the books. It seems to be some sort of indication of popularity. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, people might like it, but will we? I think we're a tougher crowd than a lot of the Star Trek fans out there. Maybe. Profit and Lace, though, guys. Yeah, nobody Profit likes that one, though. Tom, Tom Profit boy. and Lace and Time's Orphan. Orphan. Back to back. Who bully. Yeah. I don't even know. Where does this end up? I mean, like, I don't even know. Like, that. there's two more after that. Is that right? There's Sound of Her Voice. I don't even remember that. And Tears of the Prophet. Tears of the Prophet. I mean. Prophet, there's big events happen. It's a season finale, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. It's the thing where the thing happened. Ducat comes back and does stuff. Yeah. They, yeah. Yep. yep. Okay. Well, Wade, do you want to have everybody? Uh, yeah. So if you love this episode or, or disagree with anything we've said, give us a call and tell us about it at 917-408-3898. Shoot us an email at kickersofelves.com. Anything over there, you can uh, do that. And... If you want to support the show, go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash kickersofelves, where we have a bunch of other content for all sorts of things, and check out all the other podcasts we do, like the Hashies and Superiority and whatnot. Yeah, do all the shtick that everybody wants you to do. Mm. Awesome. 
Well, thanks again for joining us for an episode of the Rules of Acquisition. We hope you come back next week and join us as we go through another episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. For Wade, James, and myself, three to beam out. This has been an ROA podcast. Do you know the cunt weasels that run this show have a call in line? It is pretty amazing, but you may not yet be ready for its awesome amazingness. <laughs>